Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts, Bianca Foley and Charlotte Williams. Welcome back to another episode of Sustainably Influenced. So today we are talking about electric vehicles, Mm -hmm. EVs. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I've done some research. She's getting fancy with, yeah. the, with the abbreviations. So just so we're all up to date, <laughs> I'm actually an expert in electric vehicles. So I recently did a campaign with Hyundai, this is not a sponsored post by the way, which was all about their new electric car, the Ionic 5, which is possibly the most incredible vehicle I've ever driven in my life. To be fair, I've only driven about four, so <laughs> in my 32 years of life, but definitely the top one out of the four that I've driven but this car is like super quote-unquote sustainable because you know I don't like to use that word for anything but the fact that it's an electric car to the interior to everything is just very like thought about in terms of the environment so when I was driving the car and I was seeing how it works I'd never driven an electric car before and I was really into it and I wanted to get geeky about it so I wanted to do this episode so I could do a bit more research okay which is why I like the podcast because it means that we do research on things that we probably wouldn't normally do deep dives on. So just uh, an idea of where we're at in terms of EVs, electric vehicles. So the government plans to end the sale of petrol and diesel cars in the UK by 2030. Which is around the corner. Which is around the corner. And it's actually quite a big deal to think that it's not that there won't be any petrol or diesel cars on the road. It's just they're not going to sell they them. They just won't be. Yeah, They you, won't be made or sold in the UK. Yeah. Which I think is like a really big deal. I'm going to say it again. What year is it? 2022. 2022. So that's eight years time. Eight years. That's nothing. That's literally around the corner. Actually makes me feel a bit sick. Not in the bad way, but in the, like how futuristic we've become. In a short space of time. We're essentially the Jetsons. This is like... <laughs> I've always wanted to be Judy Jetson. <laughs> this is too much. This is too much. Anyway, so that's happening. So it's predicted that there'll be about 145 million electric vehicles on the road by 2030. Wow. Which is a bit of a wild stat. So today, I've read a few articles. Mm-hmm. I've been on a few websites. I've been on a couple of sustainability links on company websites. Love it. This is probably the most research episode I've done, simply because I know nothing about cars. My fiancé handheld me through some of it because he was like... What do you know about cars? And he helped me. I'm laughing because so, I can just imagine him doing it like, come on, you know nothing about cars. Yeah, but he also has been sending me links of cool things, which we'll get into in a bit. And I'm really glad that we're doing this episode because I need to get a car. Oh my God, so do I. And I've been looking at electric cars, so I want to know more and it saves me having to do the research in all honesty, so thanks. Just so we're all on the same page again, I'm not going to talk through the best cars. I'm just going to talk through the environmental impact of electric cars. No, because I know this is why I'm saying it. A lot of people have said to me, oh, electric cars aren't that good for the environment. Mm. So I want to know whether it is worth me buying one now or waiting maybe four or five years, not that my car will last that long, to get one. Because I'm thinking to myself, will technology advance in that space of time? Yes, this is actually perfect because... The title of the article that I am referencing today is Are Electric Vehicles Really Better for the Environment? And this article was another Forbes article. I seem to like Forbes. Um, Forbes and random blogs. <laughs> Forbes and random blogs. There are also some random blogs that I'm referencing. I also found a couple of articles I liked. One is from The Guardian. Another one is from iNews. I'm just going to throw them, throw different 
things out and you can find all the articles in the show notes. But the main thing about this article is the guy that wrote it, James Ellsmore, he was basically clearly for electric cars, but he broke it down in a really simplistic way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite a simple article and I actually quite enjoyed it as someone who has no interest in cars. I was able to read it and fully understand. But essentially, electric cars are dubbed to be the future. Mm-hmm. And there's a question mark there. It's like, but how good are they for the future? And to be completely honest, looking at all the research that I've done, it seems that electric cars are, or electric vehicles, should I say, because it's not just cars. It's all of the above. All of the, all of the things that go into the motor industry. Electric vehicles are, in fact, better for the environment because they produce less CO2 emissions, Obviously, they're not using fossil fuels. There's like so much that goes into it that are better. But the big problem with electric cars is actually the manufacturing. This is yeah. the thing that I I remember when I've watched a few documentaries. and Yeah, so the manufacturing is actually the issue. And it's how the actual lithium and stuff is harvested. Oh. Is it that? It is that. Yeah, I'm showing that I do know all of three points about electric vehicles. That's it, done. Okay, guys, thank you for thank you for listening. That is actually everything I needed to say. No, so most of the manufacturing for electric cars, well, a majority of it is done in China. Mm-hmm. And just a little note from my notes, Chinese EV, electric vehicle battery manufacturers, produce up to 60% more CO2 during fabrication than ICEV engine production. So that's like not electric. Okay. But they could cut their emissions by up to 66% if they adopted American and European manufacturing techniques. Okay. But obviously, it's cheaper to manufacture in, in China, so they're not going to do like that. Like everything else. Yeah, like everything else, which is an issue. So that's kind of a bad point. Mm. It's kind of annoying because it's like, yes, electric vehicles are better for the environment mm-hmm. because obviously we need to cut down fossil, fossil fuel usage. Yeah. That is like 100% a fact. But manufacturing process is really ruining the whole thing it's actually making it slightly worse negative impact (laughs) it's a a massive negative impact but there are some really great factories and manufacturers in asia Mm -hmm. that are counteracting this and becoming way more environmentally friendly so i looked up hyundai so i didn't know the manufacturers or anything when i worked with them so i did like a bit of research now just to oh, okay, check, that's clever, yeah. Just to check if it was okay, and it turns out we're all good, guys. Don't okay, worry. Okay, cool. <laughs> it would have been very awkward if we weren't, but no, we are. They manufacture two main plants, mm-hmm. and one of them is CATL. They are based in China, mm-hmm. and these CATL they have a plant in Sichuan, and it is the world's first zero carbon factory in the new energy industry, mm. which is really exciting. So they feel That's really interesting. Yeah. It's like a pretty big deal. Mm. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm, like, I'm coming out of my seat here. <laughs> no, that's really, really interesting. I'm just so zero carbon factory, did you say? Or zero emissions. Sorry, let me Zero carbon factory. I don't understand. So it. they're focusing on alternative energy. Ah. So they're using solar and wind. energy and that kind of stuff but also they're doing a lot to lower their emissions as well so they're Mm -hmm. like on it just a disclaimer i don't know if this specific factory did the car that i drove you know i don't know the manufacturing wise if that's a fact but i know that this is something that exists which is really exciting because with 
this being built and seeing the success story, it can mean that more factories and manufacturers will create them, which is cool. And with so much pressure on industries Mm. across the board, I feel like this is going to become more and more of a thing. And it's so important right now. Michaela Loach, she posted a video of basic on Instagram, basically her just like talking shit about the government and just saying how unacceptable mm-hmm. they are when it comes to like, or how hypocritical they are about yeah. the environment and talking about climate and specifically talking about like emissions, mm-hmm. carbon emissions. And whilst I was doing my research, I'd watched that video of hers and it made me, I'll put that in the show notes as well, but it made me laugh because... They're pushing so hard on the fact that so many companies need to do stuff, but then they're also still pushing for fossil fuels and petrol and just trying to <laughs> make yeah. the world whatever they want it to be. They're kind of giving with one hand and taking away at yeah. the same time. So it's very, yeah, I get why she trash talks the government on a I know, regular and, and I love it. I love it because she's I like 22 it. and I'm really into it. I wish I could say stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not, I just don't have the vocabulary. You know? <laughs> yeah. But it was so interesting because it makes me think how much do you, industries whatever industry that might be actually care about this stuff Mm. and how much they take it seriously because they might not necessarily have to i feel like there's probably a lot of loopholes Mm. that will allow them to not have to invest too much into this but anyway back to this zero carbon factory because it's really cool so the plan is to reduce four hundred thousand tons of carbon emissions every year as over 80% of its energy consumption comes from hydropower. Okay, wow. Which is really cool. And then I was doing some more research, and actually I'm not going to pretend that I found this. My partner sent this to me and was like, this is so cool. So that's obviously quite far away from home, mm. but closer to home, there are exactly two plants that have been created in Cornwall. Okay. That are also focusing a lot on using hydropower mm-hmm. and using alternative energy, such as wind. Obviously we've got a lot of wind in England. <laughs> um And these plants are lithium plants. So there's British lithium and then Cornish lithium. Okay. I think they're like 20 minutes from each other. So this plant is a lithium plant and essentially it mines lithium, but in an environmentally friendly way. The government have given them a lot of money, I want to say millions, to fund this. But it just means that one of them, I think it was Cornish lithium, basically said that they will be able to make a third of the amount of lithium needed to create batteries for electric vehicles. Um, wow. That we need in the... A third of the exactly, I was lithium say, that, that we need yeah. in the UK. That's really And that's great. just one plant, so... It's amazing because I think a lot of where future technology is headed is Mm. to creating in the area of the world or the geographical location that it's needed in to minimise that transport element of things. Localisation versus globalisation. Love that. Love that indeed. That That takes me back to my geography A level. Um, (laughs) But something also that I really like, because you know I'm all about the people, the two firms together, so British and Cornish Lithium, if they are able to get things going and actually Mm. they're kind of in development at the moment so they are able to produce it but it's whether or not they're able to do it at scale so it's still Mm. very much a learning opportunity and together the two firms could create around 860 jobs in the county in the Cornwall region which is one of the most apparently one of the most deprived regions in northern Europe which is a bit crazy and if the mines and processing plants attract investment for a battery factory so going bigger which is known as a 
gigafactory, <laughs> they can create a further 3,000 jobs. So this is not only beneficial to the environment and to us. It's creating jobs and helping the economy, yeah. which is amazing. Which I'm so into. Yeah. I'm really glad that you're talking about the factories and I'm glad that you're talking about the fact that they're looking to do more and improve the industry because I think all of my previous conceptions about electric vehicles and the manufacture has been quite negative because I know that the cars themselves are better, mm. we, as you've said, but my thought was that the manufacturing process was terrible. There was a lot of exploitation. I think I am one of these awful people who on holiday sits and watches all the really weird, interesting TV shows that are on foreign TV and including, I have a real thing for Amanpour, the journalist who does a lot of documentaries for Al Jazeera. I watched a documentary whilst I was on holiday in Crete a couple of years ago. It was too hot to go outside, so I just stayed in bed and watched this. <laughs> and it was talking about the exploitation of lithium factory mm. workers in South America and how the majority, I, I can't remember whether it was Chile or Uruguay, but one of the South American nations were uh, one of the biggest producers of lithium. And if you see, it's ridiculous the scale at how they have to produce lithium. Yeah. And these factories or plants, or oh, I can't even say the word, like it was just enormous. When you put it into perspective like that, it made you think, oh my God, look at how much they have to produce just to make cars. Yeah, and also lithium batteries are used for so, so many, many other things, things as yeah. well. But these are the kind of things that you do not think about. But and it's, it goes back to every episode we keep bringing yeah. this up. It's when an item just comes in front of you, you think, oh, well, here, I've got this laptop. It's a laptop. You don't think about all the different moving parts and 100%. people that have come to make you this one laptop that you can't live without. And that's why I'm quite excited about this episode because I feel like... A lot of people will come to our podcast and think, oh, fashion, influencers talking about like sustainability and fashion and it's all fun. And then they're going to be hit with lithium batteries. And Damn, it's like, straight. that's how we roll. <laughs> but like, we've, like something we've never thought about. So that's quite cool. Yeah. Also, just a note. So lithium batteries, they are used for more things than just electric cars, vehicles. Yeah. Also, just something to think about in terms of the negative side mm -hmm. is that they don't have the longest lifespan. Yeah. And that was the other thing that yeah. was mentioned in this documentary. So that is, is a 10 year lifespan. Yes, 8 to 10, which isn't great. So recycling, obviously there needs to be, and there is a lot of work going into lengthening the lifespan, but then also recycling and being able to reuse and repurpose them is a big thing. So a lot of car manufacturers are have and are creating recycling plants. Mm. So I know Tesla, they've like, made a massive one I think it's in Nevada mm. that they just send all of their batteries back to Nissan have one in Spain they're a big deal because if it, all the cars are going to be electric from 2030 so by 2038 there's just going to be a load of batteries left over yes. and then what happens so what happens exactly it's really important that so many things are happening that we're sorting out the manufacturing process we're sorting out what happens to the batteries once they're done. And we're also sorting out trying to lengthen the lifespan of these batteries so that they're not just Essentially, wasted. they're future-proofing themselves. Yeah. And they have to look at that innovation. And it always takes me back to something that we've said for the past, what, couple of years on the podcast, where it's so much easier to implement ethical or positive, I should say, manufacturing from the start if you're thinking about it from the start rather than if you're an established company mm. with an established supply chain so if companies are thinking about these things and implementing it 
early on in their production, it becomes natural. It becomes second nature. And yeah, they have to future proof themselves because we've got these short lifespans. Imagine, so that essentially you're never going to have an electric vehicle that's older than what, 10 years? Yeah. Are you able to replace the batteries? This is the other thing. That being said, my car died last month or two months ago. I haven't, yeah, I haven't had a car for two months. Mm. And that car was 10. Don't say that because mine's 10. Mm-hmm. Shh, we don't speak. That wasn't an electric vehicle. <laughs> that was a 10-year car. Obviously, it died for me. Someone else will be able to buy it and repair it. But because it's so old, it was more expensive to repair it than it was if I were yeah. to sell it. So I just sold it for for pittance. <laughs> I wonder just how electric vehicles will be able to age if you have to replace the battery. Or I guess it's just replacing the battery. battery. Is it? it? But can you replace the battery? Yeah, it's yeah. Not like, is it not like, oh, if an engine goes in like a normal fossil fuel using car, you can replace the engine. Does it work the same way with the battery? Yeah. Okay, cool. That was my query because I thought to myself, if you can't replace the battery, are we just going to have like this graveyard of cars? No, no, no. I have a family member that works for Tesla as a mechanic but he was saying how they pull apart the car and put it back together to like make sure everything's functioning oh, wow. right okay so you can it's just like a normal car i guess okay. it's just computer things rather than oily and it just means you're so much cleaner since he's been working for tesla he hasn't been covered in oil which is also a benefit yeah <laughs> massively so lithium being mined in the uk is quite mm. a big deal so talking this through so the mining company based in cornwall claims to be the first in the world to have extracted battery-grade lithium carbonate from shards of microcrystals. Not entirely sure what a microcrystal is, but apparently it's a big deal. (laughs) British Lithium said that its pilot plant in Roche, how do you say it, in North Cornwall. I'm not going to lie. I've actually been there. but I I I don't. I haven't been to Cornwall for so long that I wouldn't know. I love Cornwall so much. It's one of my favourite places. But yeah, it's been successfully extracted from the mica in the county's granite bedrock. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Just they <laughs> Cornwall has so many rocks. <laughs> it's basically one giant it's rock. It's one giant rock. It's <laughs> like broken down into multiple rocks. So that's quite cool. But they've said in this article that it paves the way for Cornwall to become a hub for mining and refining lithium, which is the main ingredient for electric car batteries. But it's just really exciting to see this kind of industry again happening in mm. Britain because we were until not that long ago, a very industry-focused country. Yeah. And we had all the cars manufactured here. We had mining, you know, which isn't great. But <laughs> but we had all these different we had it. industries going yeah. on here. We were great producers of things. Yeah. We were great manufacturers of things. And then we've started to outsource all of that in order to cut costs. Yeah. And it means that nobody's doing those jobs anymore. But it looks like... Things like this can yeah. show that we can still do it, guys. We still got it. We still got it. So now we're going to speak to a representative from a lithium plant to talk all things lithium production in the UK. So let's get into it. Hello. So today we're speaking to Lucy Crane, ESG and Sustainability Manager at Cornish Lithium. So, Lucy, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. I want to first of all ask you what it is that you do and what's your background? So my background is geology. Trained as a geologist, I did a master's in mining geology and worked in exploration for base metals in various parts of Africa for a few years. I then moved back to Cornwall about five years ago and joined 
a new startup company called Cornish Lithium then. And we are exploring for lithium down in Cornwall. And my role within the company has evolved from exploration geology through to research and innovation. And I'm now ESG and sustainability manager. That's fantastic. So you're from Cornwall? No, I'm not originally. I'm from the Midlands originally, Ah. but came down to the Camborne School of Mines to do a master's back in 2013 and just fell in love with Cornwall then. I'd been to Cornwall on holiday previously, but actually living down here, I just fell in love with it as a county. You know, it's got so much potential and there's so much opportunity down here and there's lots of small companies doing really innovative things and it's a great atmosphere to be working in and living in. That's fantastic. I go to Cornwall every Easter and living there must be a dream. I just love it. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about Cornish Lithium. So what it's a startup. Yeah, maybe we can claim that now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, what does it do? What's the company about? So we're looking at the potential to produce lithium in the UK. Mm -hmm. And lithium's the lightest weight metal and it's got a really high charge density. So if you want to create batteries that are lightweight and portable, then, you know, lithium's pretty key. So we're looking at the potential to actually produce lithium from the UK and from Cornwall. At the moment, the supply chains for lithium are very global. It's either produced in South America or Australia. More often than not, it's then shipped over to China to be refined into something that's of a high enough purity to then go into a battery and then shipped around the world to go into those batteries. So if we can shorten those supply chains, there are environmental benefits possibly. You're not having to ship as much material all around the world. Actually, we've got a lot of environmental legislation and everything in the UK. So we know that if we are going to produce things domestically, they're going to be produced at really high environmental standards, but high social standards as well. And that's really at the core of what Cornish Lithium is trying to do. We want to extract lithium, but we want to do it in the most environmentally and socially responsible manner possible. And we're doing that through using technology. So we're using technology to help us explore for lithium deposits. There's a vast amount of mining data in Cornwall. You know, there's evidence of mining going back thousands of years for tin and copper down here. And so we've got a digital team, a digital archive team who take these old maps and plans and sections and reports, bring that into a digital format so we can then model the subsurface of Cornwall in three dimensions digitally. So what's the geology? Where's the mineralization? What are these geological structures that we're interested in? And we can use that to kind of very efficiently target where we then want to do our exploration to ultimately find areas where we might be able to extract lithium. And then in parallel, we're also using new technologies that will allow us to extract the lithium in a highly selective, low carbon manner when you compare it to other parts around the world. So We're looking for lithium contained within two different settings. The first is within geothermal waters that circulate naturally at depth beneath Cornwall. And then the second setting is looking at the potential to extract lithium from the granite rock itself that underlies the whole county. So using these new extraction technologies, we believe that we should be able to extract the lithium in a highly selective and low carbon manner, especially when you compare it to what the current global supply chains look like. So it's really exciting. That is so interesting. My question here is, we've seemed to have always have outsourced this since I guess we've needed batteries and lithium products, which I feel like has been <laughs> centuries at this point. Like, when did we start using lithium batteries? Well, not actually that long ago. So the first lithium-ion battery was commercialised in either 1991 or 1992. 
Oh, so yeah, oh so that's that's kind of why it's interesting yeah. being in Cornwall as well because we've got evidence of tin and copper production going back thousands of years, and you know they produced yeah. tin and copper commercially for hundreds of years in the 1850s. You know, parts of Cornwall were the richest square mile. There was one square mile in the central Cornwall that was known as the richest square mile on earth because of the amount of copper it was oh, wow. producing. But although people knew that lithium was in these upwelling hot springs they encountered in the deep mines, there are actually papers written in 1862 saying these hot springs could be a potential source of lithium. It's a shame we don't have a use for it. And so fast forward to where we are now, actually, lithium is such a key metal in enabling this energy transition because of its role in battery storage. And if we want to move away from fossil fuels, we need to use renewable energy, but we need to generate energy and we need to store that energy. And so batteries are so important. And actually looking at Cornwall in light of this energy transition through the lens of new technologies means that we've actually got the potential to play a big role in this next energy transition that's coming now. Yeah, that's really exciting for, you know, a place in the UK to be at the forefront of that, but also for it not to be London (laughs) is really exciting. You know, because a lot of things do come out of London, which is fantastic. But, you know, we've got so much more to offer as a country. Yeah, it's so true. And Cornwall is almost, a you can think of it as a natural powerhouse. It's mines mm. and it's minerals and it, the ocean. They've kind of all fueled its economy over the last, well, after centuries and centuries. And actually, if we can use these resources responsibly, then I think it's got a real opportunity to play a big role in this energy transition as well, whether that's through the production of things like lithium, might be the potential for tin and copper to be produced here again. Mm. There's a tungsten mine in Plymouth that's reopening. There's a potential for floating offshore wind. There's so much going on down here. It feels like we're on the cusp of something happening again in Cornwall. Oh, wow. I'm so excited to see this happen. As well as Cornwall, is lithium something that we can find in other places in the UK or do we just know it's in Cornwall right now? So I think Cornwall's probably... At scale. Yeah, Cornwall's probably the place that's got the most potential for it. We actually did a research project funded by the government a few years ago looking at the potential for lithium across the whole of the UK. And we did desk studies and field work in Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, and England. And very much Cornwall comes out as a hotspot. There is the potential in parts of Scotland, but quite often where there's lithium mineralization, it tends to be within the middle of a national park or something. And so we see that's going to make it a lot harder to potentially extract lithium from there. And you might question whether that's the best place to do it if we can find it in other places. Definitely. So what would you say then is the future of the UK's lithium mining industry? Oh, very good question. So we, as you said at the start, we are a startup, but we're probably moving out of startup territory now. So We know that we have resources of lithium in the UK. We're doing a lot of work to quantify what the size of those resources might be and how best to use these new technologies to extract them in the most low carbon manner possible. So I'd say the future for lithium extraction in the UK over the next few years is moving into commercial production probably in about three to five years. And I'd hope that the domestic sources of lithium that have been produced to really high environmental and social standards can be used within a UK battery industry, whether that's for electric cars or other applications. But, you know, shortening that supply chain is such an exciting opportunity for the UK. That is really exciting. When we think about sustainability, just as a practice, we do think about 
green solutions and all of these cleaner solutions. But a lot of the time they are coming from abroad and we have to think about carbon footprint and actually the balance there, how it weighs up. So having something so close to home, actually homegrown, <laughs> is really exciting because this is actually what carbon zero would look like because we're not really pushing. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said as well for this energy transition. If we want to combat climate change, we need low-carbon technologies. These mm -hmm. low-carbon technologies are all made out of raw materials. And if we're sourcing all of these raw materials abroad, then we don't necessarily have oversight of what those supply chains look like. And, you know, if we're offshoring our responsibilities, I think that's potentially not meaning that we're taking ownership of the full impacts of these technologies that we're going to be using. So I think it's exciting for the UK to be able to produce some of the lithium that we're going to need in the future, actually at here at home. Oh, totally agree with you. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Lucy, for joining us today. We look forward to saying more about this and continuing the conversation. Excellent. Likewise. Thank you so much to Cornish Lithium for speaking with us today. We've learned so much. That was really incredible. And it was really interesting. Yeah. So now let's get into the Sustainably Influenced Sustainability Score. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, where do we think electric vehicles sit? Um, I'm going to be a little bit rogue on this one. Mm. I'm going to go with an 8. Ooh. Because I think the innovation is there. They're trying to future-proof themselves. We're producing locally. And uh, almost. Well, you know, yeah. like, what a third of what we're... They're saying that they can produce up to a third of what yeah. we need as a nation. And we're a very tiny place. Um, <laughs> here, which is good... And the government, as much as the government, we all know, we're not going to get into that because we're not politically led on this this podcast, but they're trash. Um, <laughs> they're saying that by 2030 that they won't be selling any more fossil fuel Yeah, vehicles. and they have invested in, in yeah, the have, British Lithium. Have invested quite heavily. <laughs> but that's why I'm thinking an eight, because I know that it's more of a trajectory to that point. I think we're on the journey to that point, which is positive, I think. And mm. I am seeing so many more electric vehicles popping up, electric charging stations. Yep. It's much more affordable compared to petrol as well, especially now, mate. Oh, my Less, God, yeah. My teeny tiny Corsa, £70 to fill up at the moment. Oh, my so. God. I'm so grateful <laughs> to not have a car at the moment because I don't have any of these issues. Mate, I'm just over it if I didn't have to drive. I do need one, though, because I can't actually get to a lot of places because yeah. a lot of my family don't live in London. Yeah. I mean, for me... I do use public transport way more. Mm. But when I have to be in other places and public transport doesn't want to play yeah. ball like on a on a weekend when there's rail replacements, then I have to drive to go because I live on the outskirts and then my family are on the other side of the outskirts of yeah. London. So it is a bit awkward. But yes, I'm saying eight anyway. Do you know what? I'm going to join you at that eight. I was going to oh. say nine, but I'm going to bring it down. I feel like this is one of the most actual sustainable conversations we've had yes so far on the podcast yeah i'm here for it i like this one so i think it was a great episode anyway because i've learned a lot and i'm <laughs> quite grateful that you went and did all this research because it makes means i don't have to do most of it <laughs> you're welcome i really enjoyed this here's to charlotte reading more <laughs> yes <laughs> second did but uh... <laughs> why did i when you said when you said i like this did i get that tiktok meme what's this 
Picasso, Picasso, I like it. Picasso, I like it. <laughs> What's this? That's an art project. Okay, I like it. Picasso. Amazing. So thank you so much for joining us today and catch us on our Instagram and TikTok. We have TikTok now. Yes, we have TikTok. You've been smashing it on our TikTok, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. I, saw, I went on the other day. I was like, first of all, we've got TikTok. What? <laughs> and secondly, I was like, oh my God, this video is really good. Yeah, so, I've just been doing my thing. Yeah. Just been here. Posting the stuff. Just follow us on TikTok because it's popping over there. Yeah. Catch you guys next week. Bye.